Hi, and thank you for joining us this morning once again. We're continuing in our series on our family tree because every one of us is a part of a family. We all have parents, we all have grandparents, and we're all a part of the body of Christ, our brothers and sisters. And one of the things that we do when we have family is we talk about priorities, what kind of priorities we have, where they sit. Now, I'm the kind of person that loves routine. I actually thrive on routine. I operate at my best when I know what's coming next, what the routine looks like. And so I was sharing with one of our staff members this week that every day at about quarter quarter to six, my alarm goes off. So at 5.45, my alarm goes off and I get up and next to my bed is the gym clothes that I'd set out the night before. I put them there because if I don't get up, then I feel guilty. And so I get up and I put on my gym clothes and I go to the gym and about six o'clock in the morning, I'm at the gym and I put on my headphones and I put some what is fairly heavy Christian music to motivate me to, to do some exercise at the gym. And so I, I exercise and, and do my workout routine. Towards the end of the, the routine each day, I then switch from what is heavy, you know, thumping sort of Christian music to the Bible. And I play the Bible app on my phone and, it, and, it, and I end up listening to Scripture. And it, number one, it starts to calm me down from the gym because I'm pretty revved up by the time I've finished my workout. But also, it, it starts to get my head in a space to receive from God what He wants to, to share with me and what I need to learn for that day. And by doing this, I can actually listen to the entire Bible every single year. I then listen to that. That continues on the trip home, and I get home around about 7 o'clock and, and check on the kids that are all sort of waking up and help out a little bit, not, not as much as I probably should. Yvette would testify to that. But um, get the kids sort of going and, and ready for the day, and then I, I start getting myself ready. So I finish listening to Scripture as I, I jump through the bathroom routine, and as I continue to prepare myself for the day, I then switch once the Bible series is finished that I've been listening to and then switch onto a podcast or an audio book or a sermon, which I'll then start to listen to. Then getting the kids you know, ready for school, depending on the day. Some days I take them to school, some days Yvette does, and end up turning up to church at about 8 to 8.30, having been to the gym, listened to scripture, listened to a sermon, listened to a leadership input, or a couple of chapters of a book. And the the reason that these are important to me, the reason this habit is important to me, is it fits my priorities and my values. I value looking after myself. If I'm in shape, and and physically, then mentally and spiritually, it helps me be in shape. It also gives me an opportunity to, to spend time listening to Scripture. Also, the gym is a mission field where I get to build relationships with those that don't yet know who Christ is. I get to sit in Scripture because if the foundation of my day is dwelling on Scripture, it's a great opportunity just to be able to sit and be immersed and hear big chunks of Scripture all at once. Yes, there's times when I sit and read individual parts of Scripture, but it's an awesome opportunity to listen to big chunks of Scripture because it fits my priorities. Now, the staff member I was talking to this week when I said that I get up at about quarter to six every day was like, you you what? I reckon that staff member's... It's Sam, he's sitting just over there, and I reckon that's about the same time Sam goes to bed most mornings, is about quarter to six. He's one of those 
young people and get away with it. I reckon if I get a late night nowadays, you know, 1 or 2 a.m., it takes me about a week to recover. The next couple of days, I'm just absolutely useless. But you see, my, my routine fits my priorities. And we are, as Ange so eloquently said at the start of this service, that, that we are in a space and we have an opportunity as we enter into isolation. Uh, we are in the COVID-19 season, if you're not watching this live. And we're in a space where we are re-entering into isolation and we have this opportunity to change some of our priorities or change some of our routines to fit our priorities. But, but it starts with understanding what is your value, what is your priority. So I want to ask us this morning, what is a high priority for you? What is something you value so, so deeply? And today, as we open up Scripture, we're going to see how we can honour some of our godly priorities with the habits and routines that we have. So let's start in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray as we open up Scripture that we would be people that don't get relaxed or don't get negative or don't get caught up with what is taking place around us in a negative way that would detract from the values and priorities that sit with you. I pray that we would people, be people that would form habits and routines that would lean into you rather than lean away, that we would choose you, and that our lifestyle would align with that choice. Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us through Scripture how we do that today. In Jesus' name, amen. We've heard it said you know, time and time again, you know, what's, what's your goal in COVID, what, what is your priority? What, what, is, what do you want to achieve? And people are saying, I just want to survive. I just want to get to the end. Conversations that I heard this week about people saying, I just want to write off 2020. It's like, oh, don't write off this year. God may have a plan for you this year. This may be a year where you get to go deeper into the things of God. What, what could you actually achieve? A, a question could be, who do you want to be? at the end of COVID-19. Who do you want to be? Now, there's, there's a lot in this, and to unpack it a little bit, some of us may be in survival mode, but there's more, there's more to you than that. There's more to us than that. Who do you want to be? You see, when we form a habit, it equals change. I actually caught myself, and yes, I do go to the gym almost every day, at least five days of the week, but I found myself on the couch the last two nights in a row after what had been a, a very heavy week and, and a very busy and full week. But I found myself on the couch with these boxes of, they're not chips, but they're kind of like those, they're, I don't know, they're not fried, they're somehow cooked. I don't know, so they're supposed to be healthier for you, these sort of cracker things. And a box of crackers and a block of chocolate. And I've eaten the block of chocolate over two nights almost solely myself and a box of these crackers each night. And you see that this idea of habits and change. If I have this habit where I'm eating a box of chips that I'm trying to justify, trying to make them sound healthy, um, every single night and a block of chocolate every two, like that's not a good healthy choice. That's not the person that I want to be. It's okay if I'm the odd time, you know, maybe two nights in a row, but not three. Uh, but you've got to work on your habits and make sure your habits lead to the person 
that you want to be. Craig Rochelle says that successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. So if you were to say what kind of, what is your goal? What do you want to be at the end of COVID-19? You want to say, well, I'd love to be out of debt. Well, there needs to be some change. I want to give up smoking. Well, what does that habit look like? I want to lose three kilos. I want to exercise more. I want to know my Bible better. I want a closer marriage. I want to value my time with my kids more. I want to get a promotion at work, or maybe I just need to get myself a job. I want to grow closer to God. I want to become like Jesus. I want to kick an addiction. I want to be better at playing the kazoo. It doesn't really matter what it is that you're trying to achieve. There needs to be a habit that will equal the change that you want to take place. And it needs to be a consistent habit that we form. It's no point going to the the fast food restaurant and ordering the the large burger with the large fries and the large extra something else and and the dessert that goes with it because it's on sale and it's all good and then ordering a Diet Coke to go with it all. Like the the diet drink doesn't nullify the rest of the the food. You've got to be consistent if you want to achieve the goal. They say that a habit takes 21 days to form. A habit turn takes 21 days to form. More re- closer research or recent research has extended that to 66 days. But they used to say that 21 days, three weeks, is what it takes to form a habit. Now, it just so happens that six weeks of isolation is 42 days. 42 days. We have the opportunity to form two habits, two intentional habits that will draw us closer to being the people that we want to be, to being the people that God wants us to be. But it's hard, isn't it? It's hard. If you were to, to say, what kind of person am I? What sort of habits do I have? You know, maybe there are nights where you are eating chips and chocolate on the couch regularly to survive and go, that's not the person I want to be. But when we talk about a spiritual sense, we see that there's a wrestle even in Scripture. You'd never doubt that the likes of Peter or Paul or Jesus didn't understand who they were. They were so convicted and so, so strong in their faith. They, they never made excuses. You, you never see them skimping on some of the, the habits that they had in life. Jesus never said, well, I didn't have enough time to pray today. Je- Jesus consistently retreated. There was times, and the, the one that stands out in my mind is the, the moment where he heard that John had been executed, murdered. He was trying to retreat, yet there's a crowd with him, and he goes, I need to, I love the people, my values and my priorities Here's a crowd, let me teach, let me teach. How long does he teach? He teaches all day, so, so long that they're hungry now. What does he end up doing? Well, has anyone got some food? Hey, a little boy comes up, here's some food, let's feed the 5,000. What does he do then? Then he goes and retreats. He has to retreat. He has to find his silence and solitude. He has to spend time in prayer with his heavenly father. He has to spend some time thinking and contemplating. I'd love to be in that moment, but if I was in that moment, he wouldn't be alone. So that wouldn't work. But I'd love to, to, to be taught at the feet of Jesus in those moments and see exactly what each of those times look like. I'm sure each one was a little bit different. And after that, what does he do? Well, he walks across the water and meets the boat in the storm. Incredible. 
He, he put people first. His, his habits and his disciplines and his spiritual walk and his practices were just so incredible and they, they fitted the purpose for his life. They fitted the priorities that he had. We look at Paul and we see Paul at times when he's being stoned and they think he's dead. They've thrown stones at him. Why? Because he's been sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. And they've thrown stones at him to the point where they think he's dead. He's crawled out from under the stones. He's okay. And what does he do? He goes, oh, everything's bad. No, he doesn't cry about it. He goes back and starts preaching the gospel again. What? He's been caught again. He's been whipped and flogged and put in the center prison in the jail, which was the torture center where they do terrible things to him. And then all of a sudden, he's in chains next to the person that he's been ministering with. And what do they start doing? Like, oh, well, let's sing some praises to God. He doesn't complain about it. He doesn't say, oh, we've got no time. Oh, you know, get negative thoughts. He starts praising God. God frees him and the jailer turns up and they haven't run away. The, jail, the jailer's saved in his family. It's like, wow, these are people that have habits that have formed just to their very core who they are. Their DNA just oozes the understanding of who God is. But it doesn't start straight away. When you look at Paul, you see throughout his, his journey, he says, yeah, I'm the worst. And as he gets further on in his journey and he understands who God is, I am the worst of the worst. And towards the end of his ministry, like there, I am just the absolute rubbish. I am the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. Yet I am saved by grace. In Romans 7, chapter 15, we see Paul's wrestling with this idea of his identity and who he is. It says that, that I, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I don't do. And what I hate, to, what I, hate I, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I gr- agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but the sin that's living in me. He's talking about his sinful nature. For I know what is good in itself. It does not dwell with me. He's talking about that comes from God. That is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, I do. And I keep doing it. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I, but it is a sin living me that does it. And he goes on to to just explain this wrestle that's within him. This is my human nature, and I keep doing these things I don't want to do, but I know what I should be doing. Yet you'd never doubt Paul's conviction and his purpose and his priorities. If we were to ask ourselves, if you're in this space of going, you know, isolation's hard, I'm fearful, I'm afraid, I'm losing some of my my habits, the good habits, I may be taking up some of the bad habits, especially when it comes to my relationship with Christ, then we've got some good news. Some of the good news is in 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. The old is gone. 
You can let go of those bad habits and you can take hold of the new. The old is gone and the new is here. And if we need to know what priorities, what goals we need in our life within this season, Matthew 6.33 says, sorry, 6.33 says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. If we put God first, if we put God in the very center of our thoughts and our habits and our priorities and our identity, everything else will fall into line. It doesn't matter if we're being stoned or in prison. Everything will fall into line. So how do we do it? How do we take on a habit that maybe we've lost? How do we take on something new that maybe we haven't realized that there's more to life than what we've been doing when it comes to our spiritual journey? Well, I often say, tongue-in-cheek when I say this, that I'm a, I'm a three-meat-and-veg kind of guy. I'll just let that sink in just a little bit. Um, and often when it comes to our spirituality, we, we think it's a bit the same. It's oh, the, the holy trinity of our spirituality. We, you know, we read the Bible, we pray, and we go to church. Or we, we serve at church. I'm a good person, and, and I read my Bible I read my daily devotion and, and I, yes, of course, I pray. And we think that's it. And those things are fantastic. Those things are great. Absolutely going to church and serving church and being a part of a small group or fellowship or, or whatever you want to call it, those things are excellent. That's community. That's life. We're born for that. We're designed for that. God's Word, absolutely. The inspired Word of God, lived and breathed throughout time, pieced together so far beyond any human thought or imagination. Like it's incredible that the power of God's Word and prayer to be able to have direct access to God because of what Jesus did on the cross. Of course, that's imp- incredibly important. But there's so much more to the way Jesus lived. There's more to the way Paul, Peter lived their lives. There's other spiritual habits that we can embrace that may help us become the people that God is calling us to be in this season. So I want to encourage us to, in in a moment, we're just going to look at a selection. It's not comprehensive at all, but a selection of some of the spiritual habits that I want us to consider to take on over the next six weeks. If They're about to come up on your screen, but they're also found in the study book for this week. Meditation. It may sound like something from the Middle East, but it's found in Genesis. It's biblically based when you meditate on the things of God. Prayer, fasting. Fasting's going without. And filling that space with thoughts of God, simplicity, fellowship, journaling, chastity, stewardship or submission, obedience, study, evangelism, contemplation, confession, solitude, gratitude, self-examination, silence or celebration. I want us to consider, is there one of these that we could take on for the next three weeks? Is, is there something that we haven't tried, something that, that maybe would go against the way we've been living currently? Imagine what it is to sit in a space of celebration while in isolation. What would that look like to be celebrating rather than feeling oppressed? 
celebrating more time with our family, celebrating being able to do some jobs around the house, celebrating not having the, the, the busyness of the normal routine, celebrating more opportunity to, to worship God, celebrating being the family unit for those that, that, that are in that space, celebrating the opportunity to, to write some thoughts down, celebrating the opportunity to make a phone call to a loved one, celebrating what we have, celebrating the medical system that is within our incredible country. What would it look like to celebrate rather than be discouraged? Galatians 6 verse 9 says, Let us not become weary of doing good, for at the proper time we will, <laughs> we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So I didn't give up trying to say that word when we got there. <laughs> but let us not become weary of doing good. Doing good. Now, it, it's so easy to get caught up and social media is flooded with people doing silly things and, and people pushing against the rules and people talking about you know, their rights. And, and, and it's really hard to see that space. And you know, I've had to take some breaks from social media because of that, just that reason, going, oh, don't say that. Why, why, why? Don't become weary of doing good. Don't become weary of, of choosing godly things. And, and at the end of the season that we're in, I want to ask you the question, who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? How are your actions aligning with this? I want to ask, what habit will you start that will direct you to be that person? What habit are you going to choose that will direct you to be that person that you want to be? I've got a couple of stories I want to finish with this morning. The, the first story um, is something that, that I want to speak particularly to our 11 o'clock service around families. And it's something I was really convicted yesterday, so there's no notes for this, but I'm happy to put something. Uh, I can put it on social media, um, but I'll put something out there if you want to embrace it or, or adapt it or take a version of it for yourself. But it's the prayer that I've prayed over my children since the day that they were born. The, the very day that, that our, our children were born, I started to pray a prayer over them. And we've got, Yvette and I have sons and daughters. And the first part of the prayer says, God, I pray that whoever it is would become a mighty man or woman of God. And the, the idea of that is, is in Scripture, we see these mighty men and women of God, mighty people that are doing incredible things for God, and, and I deeply, deeply desire, and my, my very heart of hearts, with everything in me, my desire is for my kids to grow up to the point that every single day that they wake up, Satan's just there going, oh, they're awake, it begins, oh, okay. I want them to be on fire for God. I want them just to be a, an absolute weapon for the kingdom of God, to be mighty men and women that just ooze God's love, God's compassion, God's call, God's purpose, God's justice in everything they do. 
And so for the day that they were born, I've prayed this prayer that they would become a mighty man or woman of God, that they would be a leader and not a follower, and they would always choose the right thing. Now, the leader and not the follower means that, that I want them to make their own decisions, not be led by the crowd, but to be the leaders in their own decisions. Be a leader in the way that you listen to your teacher in the classroom. Be a leader in the way that you choose who you're going to play with on the playground. Uh, there's been plenty of moments through life, and, and my daughter at the age of five, you know, been praying this for five years over every single night, would be in the playground and with all the, the equipment and stuff, and I'd watch my daughter with a trail of other kids following her about, you know, between five and ten kids following behind her saying, come on, come on kids, come on, you do this and you do this and your mummy and your daddy and I'm the cat. And, and she'd be playing all these games and these kids would just be following her everywhere. And I remember thinking, I've prayed that she'd be a leader every day. Like, what have I created? What is going on? <laughs> Executive abilities, they call it in the business world. But it's something that I deeply desire for my kids. I'm actually so proud of the way my kids are growing up. And they're, they're, they're becoming these prayers of hope and blessing and prophecy over them of the people that I want them to grow into. The prayer continues to say that I, I pray they would learn to love the Lord with their heart, soul, mind and strength. That would put God first and others second and that they would find their place in this world in, in whatever, like serving God in whatever way that is. Every single day I pray this prayer. Some of it echoes scripture, some of it echoes my heart for them. Everything is loaded. Everything, there's a lot of thought behind the prayer. And we have added the, the biblical parts over the past probably five or six years. But you see, we, I want my kids to become something and so I have a habit of praying over them. Maybe one of the habits we need to take as parents is praying over our kids or praying over our grandkids or praying over our, our friends in the community each and every night, praying for them. I had the privilege of visiting an older gentleman who's passed away sadly now, but a number of years ago in the hospital. And, and at the time, he didn't pass away after this uh, visitation, but it was a, he passed, he's passed away since. But at this visitation, I went to see this older gentleman to say, you know, how, how are you traveling? I'm, he's sick, so I've gone to visit him in hospital. And this guy is complaining about the Gideons, of all people. Now, you, the Gideons are the people that hand out free Bibles. Why would you be complaining about the Gideons? And this gentleman's going, well, they only give you 10 Bibles at a time. Thinking, and he's getting, I'm feeling bad because he's getting worked up while he's in the hospital. I'm trying to calm him down. Like, why? What's bad about 10 Bibles? It would take me a year to give away, maybe two years to give away 10 Bibles. Because I've been in here for two weeks, and now they gave me 10 Bibles. What? And while the doctors and nurses are trying to, to help his physical condition, he can't help but try and help the doctors and nurses' spiritual condition. And he knew them by name. The nurse would come in and goes, oh, this is so-and-so. She's got the own, tell about the family. And and, and then when she'd leave, he'd say, and, and I gave her a Bible and I highlighted this passage because she needs to know who Jesus is. Like, what? You know, the doctor comes in and says, I've got a diagnosis for you. And goes, oh, I've got a diagnosis back for you. I've highlighted the passage. There's a sticky note in it. Start reading there. <laughs> what? This guy is incredible. 
That doesn't happen overnight. That kind of character, that kind of conviction that even when you're feeling sick, you're thinking of others and you're blessing others and God is so much a part of you is formed through a lifetime of, a lifetime of habits and, and obedience and routine that makes just God's word just emanate from within you. It makes your, your habits and your disciplines within the way that you live boundaried around a way of becoming who God has called you to be. It doesn't happen overnight, but through a lifetime of these habits, a lifetime of sitting in God's love, understanding who you are in God's sight, of sitting in Scripture and understanding what He means to us can equal a life where even when you're sick in hospital, you're a mighty warrior for God. You're seeing the kingdom come on earth and touching the lives of those that enter your room. I want us all to be like that man. I want us all to be people that are on fire for God. But it starts with a simple habit, a simple change. I want to offer us the the challenge today of who do you want to be? I want us to look at those disciplines or those habits their spiritual practices, and to choose one and start with five minutes this week. Set a really achievable goal. Five minutes reflecting. Five minutes of silence and solitude. Five minutes of, of praising God. Five minutes of being grateful. And see what God does in and through that this week. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, We thank you that you love us so deeply. We thank you that you have helped us through your son's example and through the incredible stories we see in Scripture of people like Paul and Peter and the disciples and the way that they lived. We thank you that they live with such conviction and integrity, with such purpose, that we can take from them their example. And we can live it out ourselves. Lord, I pray that we would be a people that are courageous enough that in this season that we would choose to be the people you have called us to be, that we wouldn't be thinking negatively, that we wouldn't be getting down and discouraged, but we would find the triumph of the gospel of Jesus Christ enough for us to sit into that, that we can actually grow over the next three and six weeks by adding some spiritual habits into our life that will draw us closer to being the men and women that you have called us to be. God, I pray that you would convict us in our heart of hearts, What change do we need to make today in order to be the people you want us to be tomorrow? Lord, we pray that we would take on a habit this week, a habit that will deeply change us for the better, a habit that will draw us closer, but in turn will draw others closer to you. Lord, we're not in lockdown. We are in an opportunity, an opportunity for change, an opportunity for growth, an opportunity to be stronger than we were before. We don't do this alone, God. We do it with your Holy Spirit. Put us in tune with you today. In Jesus' name.